You ready? Yep. How about you? Yep. Start it up. Podcasting from beautiful East Tennessee and brought to you by BRV Studios, this is Have You Heard, our show that brings up random news and crazy events and a lot of other topics you've probably never heard of. For instance, have you heard about how a full-grown man viciously tricked people into changing his diapers? What about the unlikely bond between a man and a fig tree in Greece? Or how this very podcast might cost you $3.99 in China? We've got lobsters getting high and a whole lot more. Here is episode 57 from the Big Red Band. Here we are, everybody. Welcome to episode number 57, HYH. That's Hayden. That's Wade. And we are here to give you a bunch of information about stories that you didn't ask anybody to know any information <laughs> on. So uh, it's a podcast called Have You Heard? We are here to talk to you about a bunch of stuff that we read off of the interwebs. Oh, yeah. And uh, try to make it all over fun. the world. I mean, one of my titles is Domo Arigato. So <laughs> you're, you hit it right at nail on the head. <laughs> But how we start the episodes is I give you a list of a couple things to choose from as our lead-in yep. talk, and we go from there. Uh, before we do, though, um, I'm going to need everyone to pause and open up their YouTube app. Thank Actually, you. what am I saying? You can't pause and then continue listening to what I have to say. So no. keep playing and just remember these instructions. But go to YouTube and BRV Shorts, yo. Yeah, we got a YouTube channel now, man. How yeah. about it? I uh, got a couple videos up now. By the time this this comes out, we'll have a couple There'll probably be three or four. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, man, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Little little one-offs of uh, some fun story. Yeah, it's actually stories. If you're a listener of the podcast and have been for a while, it's stories we won't be talking about on the show. Yeah, exclusive. They're definitely exclusives. Uh, We set the camera up. We painted the studio, candy paint red. That's right. And it looks beautiful in here. And if you don't believe us, then go look on YouTube and check it out. (laughs) Uh, Two videos now. One of them is called uh, Bath Salts or Kidnap Victim. That's right. What in the fuck was that? Where you get to decide. You decide. (laughs) You tell us. And your story was the real 40-year-old virgin. Yeah, in that real life. was amazing. Yeah, and I uh, tweeted some pictures to go with that. I did speak about the device that was used and that I would share that picture. It's uh, So if you're curious on what that tweet was about. <laughs> it is legitimately like a pump shoe. Like a... Yeah. Nike pumps, dude. Yeah, man. I mean, we are shameless about plugging our own show <laughs> on our own show. At the Big Red Van Pod. But it's fun. That YouTube thing's really cool. I, I really like having that camera looking at us. I think we'll get better at appealing to it and not just looking like two weird dudes talking to each other in front of a fake bowling. But we are kind of just floor. two weird dudes that sit around and talk to each other. So <laughs> Hey, that's what makes this work, dude. <laughs> that's what makes this work. So I'm going to give you a choice uh, to choose from a couple of headlines, and Hit we'll go into it. them a little bit, all right? Domino's Pizza Tattoos. Love it. This this one was great. DIY colonoscopies. Ooh. It's in the hole! Love it. Or Time Magazine gets sold to an internet company. And we, we talk about internet companies buying media publications, you know? Mm, tempting. I'm going to have to go with uh, Domino's Tattoos. For $500. Okay, perfect. So this is about the Domino's Pizza promotion. If you 
get a tattoo of a logo of Domino's Pizza on your body somewhere. And this was in Russia, okay? Oh, I was they would give so you, hoping this was going to be in the United States. <laughs> they would give I was, you when I when you said it, I like already had settled it in my head what this was going to be about, and, and you was, knew that it would be in. Alabama. I was hoping it'd be in like yeah, Alabama or Texas somewhere. Yeah. But all right, either way, Russia, carry on. So 100 pizzas a year for 100 years is what they were offering. That's okay? awesome. Just for a tattoo? So just for getting a tattoo. I'd plant that sucker right on my chest. Like, let's go. I'm a man. I'm 40. And that's what started to happen. They just started everywhere, all over Russia. And just four days into the promotion, <laughs> there was already 381 people that had already tattooed themselves. Uh, with some form of a Domino's tattoo logo. One of them, it had like a Ninja Turtle that was sitting behind the Domino. Mm-hmm. You know, with what it's got, a red red one and then a blue two, I think is the Domino's logo. Huh. If you look at the you Domino mean like itself. like the actual number. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's red and blue and then the red one is a, is a one and the blue yeah, one's yeah. a two. So anyway, they had to nix this and they didn't even uphold their... Uh, agreement or whatever that they're saying with it to anybody like they ended up pulling out of it and saying oh, sorry i mean we'll, we'll give you pizza for like a month i think it was <laughs> but no we're not doing the for the tattoo they just back out on these people yeah man if, th- if that was in america there'd be lawsuits to the high heavens well the bigger issue with this is what people will do for free food in russia because apparently the average household income in these areas of russia where it was happening is like uh i don't know something like ten thousand dollars to fifteen thousand dollars a year less than the united states and their average expense um, weekly for dinner was some somewhere in the neighborhood of like thirty to fifty dollars so the idea of getting free pizza for the rest of their life it was going to be able to buy a car be able to buy their house johnny i know you're only 12 but you're getting this tattoo i'm signing off for it it's victor yeah what are you you talking about (laughs) yeah it's victor i just little johnny yeah alexander man alexi it would be his name i was really hoping that was going to be in america and be in alabama no man not in alabama in mother russia (laughs) the ruskies that's good uh but we have a show are you ready i'm not but uh what choice do I have? Everybody, have you heard? So this story comes to us from Gilbert, Arizona. A woman named Amy Menchaca. You bring a lot of stories from Arizona. Do you have like an inside source in the state of Arizona that just gives you all of the shithouse news from there? Nope, just uh, crazy shit happens in Arizona every now and, and again. you find it, my brother. Yes, sir. But uh, a woman named Amy Menchaca, I'm going to assume that's how you pronounce it. We'll go with it. Sounds good. Hired three different women to be caregivers for her adult son, Paul Menchaca, okay. who has Down syndrome. So Amy would send the uh, the itinerary to the caregivers via text message, and these text messages would include things like uh, when he would need a bath or how often to change his diaper. Uh, they also included instructions that if he ever soiled his diaper instead of using the toilet, that they were to, quote, put him in a timeout and take away his privileges. Okay. So happens. The, the odd thing was that the caregivers never met Amy in person. But hey, it's a job, right? You know, somebody's going to pay you money to do something and they actually pay you, you know, it's as long as nothing seems weird, you know, like it does seem kind of weird that you're going to be caring for someone's son. Exactly. And you've never met that person. I know, right? And you've only spoken to him over the internet. Or and one of the message. instructions is if he shits himself, 
then you are to treat him a certain way. <laughs> like you would think that any job that you take that requires you tending to someone that shits themselves, that you would meet that person face to face. Right. Right. People need a job, Wade. Listen, and whatever pays the bills, uh, the, you, you do it. I'm right? saying, regardless of the reason, said person shits themselves. <laughs> so let's carry on and answer some of these questions. Yes. They would also pick him up and drop him off from a neutral location, but never his house. What's a location, by the way? A location. Okay. <laughs> um, so if you haven't quite picked up on my context clues at this point, Mr. Uh, Mrs. Menchaca was not a real person, but a fake profile that was set up on carelinks.com by Mr. Paul Menchaca. No. Who is, in fact, not have Down syndrome. No. <laughs> he needs some milk! <laughs> uh, also on several pre-meets where the caretaker met him before being af- officially hired, he faked having his Down syndrome for them and convinced the caretakers to take the job. Un- As in, believable. Yeah. So basically what it was is even in the... I guess you could say the interview for the job. Basically, they set up a meeting to where he would go. I said they. He set up a meeting as his mom for them to hang out to see if basically they uh, would work out as a suitable caregiver for him that they got along. Right. right? And so he just faked like he had bad Down syndrome that was like, you know, needed personal assistance at all the time and she was like oh yeah i like him he's super nice and whatever and accepted the job but yes that is, that is unbelievable is that, yeah. like i don't even know how to what so the thing that the tipped, dude, did the dude ever shit himself like that's what all the listeners uh, want to know right now like did he now knowing that he's a able-bodied able-minded person did he actually shit himself to see what these girls would do so when I'm assuming I, the caretakers. I, when were I tell you the next stuff that I'm going to tell you, you're not going to be worried about the shit. Okay. So, what tipped the caregivers off to his ruse was apparently they became skeptical of Paul because he would demand them to scrub him more thoroughly in certain areas. Uh huh. Like it's not clean enough. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. So court records said that one caregiver remembered five occasions where Menchaca aggressively said his genitals were not cleaned enough. And oh on, my God. on other occasions where he had a raging boner while he was getting his bath. The royal penis is not clean, your highness. clean enough. One of the caregivers who was suspicious after dropping him off that one day f- decided they were going to follow him back to his house. And where they got to meet his real parents, of which when she knocked on the door, she got to speak to his mother, who, of course, told the caregiver that, of course, their son does not have any disabilities, and he definitely doesn't need a diaper. Gotcha, bitch! And all three caregivers eventually, of course, confront Mr. Minchak about the situation, and then, of course, he admits that uh, he had been lying to them about his mental condition. So, Menchaca was, of course, arrested on September 6th. According to his court records, one caregiver gave baths and changed his diapers 30 times. So, this ruse went on with this guy on 30 different pickup and drop-offs. Can you believe that? Nope. He got away with it 30 times with one of them. Did he get arrested? Did he get... Yes. Okay. He does go on the official record 
Um, well, first of all, his charges are sexual abuse and fraudulent scheming. Yeah. Um, but uh, in his court appearance, Menchaca defended himself saying that I do have quite a low IQ level. What's his defense? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, forgive me. I am an idiot. Take a wild guess of what his uh, occupation is. Uh, I mean, janitor, if you want to be a dick about Close. it. Close. School crossing guard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's just be real here. Like, are you comfortable with a guy that pretends to have Down syndrome that tricks people off the internet? Speaking of, so the way he got away with it was he set up a fake profile on on a, like a a caregiver website, like kind of like a meet, like you know, okay, you can, sure, you, you can find help. Of you course, know? yeah. And so, of course, these three women—it's probably called caregiversmeet.com. It's like, yeah, it's something along those hospice lines. Um, helpers. But uh, one of the caregivers ended up saying in open court that uh, she really wants his bond to be set as high as possible. Oh, if this dude gets out, he's a threat. Oh, yeah. She also quoted saying, I fear for my safety as well as my family and friends because I did bring my family and friends around him. Like, this is the guy I take care of. And this dude's sitting there playing like he's got a disability in front of all these people. Just keeping it going, dude. Um... Would I not be talking about the elephant in the room if I wasn't saying all people that have Down syndrome have a certain look? Oh, and well, how did this guy avoid that? That I don't know. I don't know. Cause yes, you're because yes, because Down you're syndrome, no, no, Down syndrome a, is a chromosomal disease. Yes, and so therefore it makes sense that they all have similar looks to them because it's the same chromosome. That, yes, that is either damaged or missing or whatever it is. Well, again, this ruse only. Like one of the caregivers, it how got, do you get away with that? It got she got thirty deep on different pickups and drop offs. You know, it doesn't. It didn't say how many of the other two got passed, but basically they all eventually figured it out that he was faking it. But after thirty, though, I mean, I guess one person's like, you know, if he keeps paying, I want to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. There's <laughs> fetish websites for that. Yeah, they uh, apparently also paid in cash, and he would just have an envelope in cash whenever he would be picked up. And then, you know, because like he would get picked up and dropped off to different places or, you know, he would just be with them for the day for eight hours while they did their stuff. But they were just their caregiver. What an incredible douchebag. I know. I mean, that is that's just so you can get a a nurse lady to scrub his balls at bath time. Everybody have you heard? So I want to talk a little about the podcast industry with you, Hayden, if that's okay. All right. All right. A market in the United States that is uh, annually around $314 million. Damn. Where's that money for us? I know, right? But more specifically, I want to discuss the differences you find not only in the topics or content or which celebrities are hosting them now, like us, but which country the podcast is from. It's kind of what I want to talk about. Okay. This will more than likely determine how much revenue the individual creators can make off their show, ultimately determining on which country they come from. Not okay. what their content is. All right. We started this podcast a little a little over eighteen months ago, and each time I get into a conversation with a newer listener, they always ask me the question, Hey, do y'all get paid? Oh yeah. Do you ever get asked that? Oh yeah. You guys get any money for that podcast that you do? Well, I always find myself saying in many more words than necessary. No, we don't. You know? <laughs> Not yet, I guess, is the way of saying it. Right. Is is our goal. We do this pro bono for the public and we love our listeners every one of them but when i say no to them i'm immediately followed by thoughts racing through my head about how we can make that happen what are different ways that we could one day 
finally make some money on this podcast. Well, we could finally get a piece of that $314 million industry, right? Just a sliver. I mean, come on. Well, in America, the road to riches um, in podcasts is through advertising and sponsorships because all the platforms you can find them on in the United States are free to listen to. Speaking of this... Sierra Nevada Torpedo Beer is very delicious and refreshing. It's only 65 IBUs and 7.2% alcohol by volume. Drink up. It's crisp. It's delicious. And it's made right here in North Carolina, right near us. And I would be remiss if I wasn't saying how comfortable my American Eagle shorts are that I'm wearing. <laughs> and you can get them right now for twenty nine ninety nine at any and all American Eagle stores or AE.com. But I digress. Any money from these advertisements is determined by your listening base and or the number of subscribers each show has. For an example, the show Serial. Have you ever listened to the podcast Serial? I have seen it, and I have just not tuned in yet. So it's the most popular American podcast ever. Really? And they made $500,000 in their first year with 19 million subscribers. Wow. 500K, 19 million subscribers. Not a lot of money there, okay? If you comparatively are breaking it down per subscriber, it's like pennies, really. Yeah. So what if I told you that... Well, you have to ask yourself, when was the last time you were listening to a podcast heard commercial on said podcast and said, you know what? I'm going to go buy that mattress or I really feel like starting a website today. Well, see, and that's why they're getting into the kick of putting celebrities as hosts and celebrities are doing a lot of different things. I actually read a different article about that, that a lot of people like Steph Curry are having podcasts on how to dribble a basketball Mm -hmm. and those types of things so that they're spending their side time doing an hour long podcast and right now for free, but... What if I told you that individual podcasters in China can and have made as much as $8 million per year with a listener base as little of 250000 comparative, Wow. comparatively speaking, of course? Well, all you got to do is really convince those listeners to buy what you're selling. So the podcast industry in China is on pace to go over $7 billion this year. Whoa, that's crazy. I said wow. 314 million was the United States podcast market. 7 billion is what it is in China, making it 23 times larger than the U.S., mostly thanks to the growth in popular educational podcasts and one big difference in how people listen. They pay when they subscribe. All, uh... Almost all podcasts in China are a paid subscription, with some as low as $3 and some as high as $50. And they focus their time and energy on education or self-improvement tools rather than the American focus, which is on comedy and entertainment. With even smaller audience of, say, less than 10,000 listeners, these Chinese podcasters with subscription fees of, say, the $3 I mentioned earlier can still make extremely large amounts of revenue. That's cool. I mean, I like it for free. But uh, there are definitely a handful of podcasts that I'd be like, I'd be down for paying a few dollars a month. Well, when the focus is education and not entertainment, the big time hosts of shows aren't famous people like I mentioned Steph Steph Curry before. Rather, they are former college professors or hairstylists or speech coaches. I mean, there are over 200,000 people that have paid subscriptions to a podcast called How to Make Your Voice More Attractive. Oh, wow. So one former professor at Peking University quit his job teaching economics to students so he could focus on his econ podcast, and he made $8 million by his second year. (laughs) Okay, 
let's uh, host a podcast in China. So let's first of all thank all of our listeners. Wait, so are you mean to tell me that all the people in that we've had plays from China are getting used, it for free? They're used to paying for it. But they're getting it for free from Absolutely. us? Absolutely. Sons of bitches. I know, right? Freeloading sons of bitches. Just getting all this good content. For free. I know, man. We had a ton of plays in Where's China. Where's our ninety nine a month? How do you feel about it, though? If pod, if let me tell you, let me ask you this: If uh, stuff you should know was a subscription-based podcast, if Behind the Bastards, which is a freaking awesome, thank you for turning me on to that, by the way. But if Behind the Bastards was a subscription and they pay, uh, made you, I think pay it would for be it. like a network thing. It would be like all the stuff podcasts in general would be like a five ninety nine a month subscription or something. You think you that know? low? Or even if it's nine ninety nine, but that's like fifteen different podcasts. Would you pay for it? Probably, yeah. I like my podcasts, and I listen to, like, half of their shows, so, yeah, I'm kind of invested in them anyways. When I saw the disparity in the U.S. market versus the Chinese market, obviously they kill us with people, right? They've got, what, four times the amount of people over there than what we have over here? Mm, At least. So, but if I multiply our market by four, it would take 314 million to roughly 1.2 billion, not 7 billion. So, it's not just a population-driven market. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that we need to talk about more educational stuff to our listeners. We need to feel like we are walking away. Then they need to walk away from our episodes feeling like they learned something like we do when we walk away from Behind the Bastards. Like we do when we walk away from stuff you should know. There's also just not as much... There's much more selective entertainment in China. There's there's a lot of things that don't get to get played in China. But it's not just the average person that's driving this up. It's corporations that are using these for teaching models. It's um, universities that are downloading and subscribing these to use them in their classes. It's high schools yeah. that are doing the same things. I mean, I know that we like to make our people laugh, but I feel like if we... Uh, I think you've been told that by a couple of people too, right? I know I have from a listener out in California, our friend Brad. He said, man, I think it's cool when you guys talk about... Stuff I don't know. You teach me something I don't know. Of course. That's why I love those kinds of podcasts. So we need to, first of all, we need to hook up with someone in China. We need to to have a BRV version that's translated in Mandarin and then uh, charge $1.99 for it over there. Let's do it. See what we can do. Maybe we'll get a half a million subscribers. Who knows? (laughs) There's got to be some people out in rural China that that need to know these Alabama and Florida keystering stories. You know what I mean? So anyway, we're gonna really try and improve the perception of America. <laughs> all of our uh, loyal listeners know that we're riffing, so that means it's about time for break number one, right? That's right. I'm going potty. You want to hold my dick? Hey, how's it going, Big Red Van listeners? Uh, my name is Reese Kitts. I'm Garrett Faust, and uh, we're we're a part of a little podcast called Decent at Best. And what Decent at Best is is we're a podcast where we ask you guys to send us in questions at our at our email called uh, Decent at Best Show at Gmail And whatever question you want to ask, you send it in to us, and we'll answer it live on air. And we will answer them with answers that aren't great. We don't promise they'll be good. They probably won't be bad. They'll probably be around Decent at Best. Decent at Best pretty much sums up our show. We don't Google anything. Everything is all off the top. Off the, off the top of our head. So everything we answer is going to be completely first first impression, word association. So tune in to, the, to our episodes, and we appreciate it. See you guys there. Thank you. Everybody, have you heard? So in uh, Seawall, Maine, I'm sure you would expect you'd be able to get a killer lobster. Am I right? 
Oh, yeah, anywhere up there on the northeast. Yeah, like uh, some friends of ours did their honeymoon in Maine. and uh, Did they I, go to Banger? <laughs> no, uh, I, I forget where they actually went, but they uh, they sent us like some pictures while they were there. And uh, one of the pictures they sent us was of them eating a like monstrosity of a lobster. Okay, I mean this sucker was like a house cat. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I got like you. a man coon house yeah. cat. This sucker was gigantic, probably like a twenty eight pound lobster. Oh, it was huge. Yeah, but uh, you know, claws like your fist. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, at the uh, Charlotte's Legendary Lobster Pound, which is like a fancy high-end restaurant that's uh, in Maine, they, they have a new take on being humane with its main course items. Because, you know, we all are aware of the whole, like, you know, screaming. <laughs> that's exactly what a lobster sounds like. But, uh, but still, something that has feelings getting boiled alive is kind of a, not a, the best image to have in your mind when you're you about it. to eat it what know, the hell right? is your sensitivity doing i know right so their solution is get the lobsters baked out of their minds before they hit the pot pun intended are they getting in trouble for this no not at all it's just interesting the uh the restaurant's owner charlotte gill says she chose to quote hot box the lobsters because i feel that when lobsters come here there is no exit strategy, so you know as much as we can do for them because they're giving us their bodies. Then they're gonna, you know, that's, that's well said. There's no exit strategy for the lobster. Um, so she tried the technique for the first time on a lobster named that she well that she named Roscoe. Okay, so when you said hot box, like she literally blows smoke in there. I'm about to explain it. Roscoe was placed into a box with about two inches of water, and marijuana smoke was blown into the water through a hole in the bottom of the. Uh, bubbling up into the box kind of like a bong you know what I mean? sure you know we all know how that works but uh so marijuana is in fact legal in maine and roscoe seemed to enjoy his first time getting high and according to charlotte the restaurant owner um he was much calmer when he was put back into the tank with the other lobsters he just chilled the fuck out yep <laughs> it tends to have that effect as a reward also for his participation in the experiment, he was not eaten, and he was, in fact, returned back into the ocean. They're like, okay, man, we're going to let you go yeah, back and tell you get all to... your lobster friends about it. It's like, it's party time up in this place. Yeah, get man. in the net. Yeah, you need to go ahead and try to get saved. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and get in the net. You'll love it. Yep. So you can officially order your lobster baked, but they didn't go into great detail on how the baking is done other than that box that I just described that they do it in. But I picture it as the cooks are like, you know, we got another Bob Marley special. <laughs> yep. And the saucier loads up a bong and the whole kitchen staff blows one down in honor of a fallen comrade is how I feel like it goes down. Exactly. Uh, but at any rate, the restaurant old, uh, restauranteer holds a medical marijuana caregiver license and grows her own marijuana plants. So she does that herself. And she also has a license that allows her to harvest, you know, slash catch her own lobsters, um, cook and sell them in her restaurant. So that, so that allows her to get them high and sell them yeah. as food. But uh, finding ways to reduce the lobster's pain is, of course, not a new thing. Um, in fact, in Switzerland last year, they banned the uh, the cooking method of method of dropping the live lobster in the water. It's actually illegal to cook a lobster that way in Switzerland. How do you cook them? 
Uh, you dispatch them with a knife through their brain right ah. before you do it. Okay. Because so it's more of an instant death kind of thing instead of a, like, oh my god, I'm dying! See, for I'm, like 15 I, to 20 seconds. Man, I have honestly never understood that. Never understood why people are so up in arms about the way that the animal that they are about to eat dies. <laughs> why do you? How do you care how it dies? Whether it's humane or not, you're about to eat it, swallow it, and shit it out. But y'all don't say that. <laughs> what you, the way you put it is just so elegant. <laughs> I mean, what what are we caring so much about? I've, I've you know, never I mean, there's that. of course, you know, let's be humane and then let's eat it. There's, I guess you could look at it as the same way of like if you had to die for a quote unquote noble cause, would you rather suffer to death or just? die instantly dying for someone's fancy dinner is I'm, not, I'm not a saying noble it's cause. valid because then we're going to get into a whole argument of uh like veganism and everything else oh, no, but, no 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 that's but, not the talk we're having but i'm saying but you understand this what is what I a mean. person like, if you if if the reason is for for us to be able to have food you know but the cost is something else has to die okay i would at least like to know that that thing died quickly and as painlessly as possible instead of torturing it to death so am i understanding it that the people that have a problem with the way the lobster dies are not the people that are eating it probably okay because (laughs) i've definitely never raised awareness in my uh local or not local but like say i'm uh, on vacation at a fancy restaurant that sells lobster i'm not gonna be like did you dispatch this lobster humanely damn it sir i must know the term dispatch for taking something's life is so great you know i mean i'm not that guy but i mean i i understand where they're coming from i guess is the best way to put that but yeah dude so you can order that lobster baked of course um they also still offer the lobster the normal way where they don't get it stoned beforehand (laughs) the normal Um, you know the normal way they do also claim that uh, if you do have one of these types of lobsters you're not going to get high or like fail a drug test because you have thc in your system it's not going to be like that um it's just more of a a courtesy to the lobster my question is really how is this lobster breathing that absorbing it truly absorbing it because if they're blowing it through a straw into water and then it's bubbling and making the smoke i mean it's it's dissolving in the water just like all air would when you're doing something like that but the amount that's actually absorbed into the lobster it's probably trace amounts uh, yeah i'm with you on it's uh probably not much no it's not much but uh apparently the lobster had a good time though everybody have you heard so back in the 1970s there were many disputes on the island of cyprus are you familiar with Cyprus? It's in Greece. It is. It's in Greece. Kind of, much like our Civil War, this was a dispute where neighbors were fighting and killing each other. Friends were turning on friends, and people were dying left and right. Close to 200,000 people were displaced because of this conflict. From this conflict comes a crazy story of how one man's remains were found after 40 years of his wife wanting to know what happened to him. So, Ahmet... Ergun was killed in 1974, but his body was never found, until a researcher attempting to find remains of the lost from the conflict stumbled across a very out-of-place fig tree growing out of a cave. Now, this was a mountainous area, and a fig tree growing directly out of a cave made it seem as if it was planted there by someone, and he wanted to do a little more looking. Or a bird. Or It <laughs> wasn't there naturally. It was right, kind of his right. thought process. As he made it down to the base of the tree and started to do more digging, along with three other bodies, he was most horrified to find Mr. Ahmet Ergun sprawled out upon the floor, 
with a giant fig tree growing right out of his stomach. Yes! Oh, so he had just eaten some figs and a tree grew out of him when he died? Yeah, man. That is epic. Isn't that incredible as far as a way for your body to be found? All three men were trapped in a cave by their Greek captors and killed when a stick of dynamite was thrown in with them. So the blast had made a small enough hole in the cave to let in light, which shed onto Mr. Ergun. I just like saying that name. Ergun. Ergun's stomach and cooked that little fig pit into a full-grown damn tree so he could Just because it had a little peak of light? Yep. Like it found the light. Yeah, man. Like Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park. Life finds a way. Scientists determined that it, in fact, was him and the tree that the tree was growing out of and he must have eaten that fig like hours before he had died that is incredible because the pit was still obviously um viable i guess is the word i would use yeah because i guess if you were alive long enough you would have digested it right you know an hour or so before he died and his digestive system stopped and then it just sprouted into a tree that's awesome so what better way for your remains to be found (laughs) I mean, if I was going to be found 30-plus years later after my death and there was a tree growing out of me, that would just be the best way to be found. I mean, come on. Wouldn't people be- people literally today pay money for that. There's literally a burial service or a type of coffin that you can buy. I- I'm assuming there's regulations on where you can use these, but essentially like your body goes into this egg that is also the uh, the base of a sprouting tree and the tree grows around you and you become a tree. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a type of coffin you can buy. That sounds like an expensive coffin. I forget the type. The, I mean, I've heard of burying somebody and then planting a tree over there where you bury but them. But it's like you and it's like a whole pod system. Like your body's in there, the tree is in there, and it's you you grow a tree out of you yeah and then 50 years from now you come out of the ground as a tree person to take over the world (laughs) all of you come out of your pods on the dark side of that though um have you ever seen that uh you know this was like medieval japan but uh the torturing technique where they would uh grow bamboo through you Oh my God, no! Have you ever seen? Have you ever heard about that? No. Like literally, you know, like uh, I mean, I like heard all of like bamboo shoots up your fingernails. One, and... uh, like uh, being driven on a pike, like uh, they do in Europe a lot, you know, as punishment for crimes or crucifying someone was a big thing in Europe as well. Like in China and stuff, they would. Uh, I'm not sorry, not in China. In Japan, they would grow bamboo through you as a torture device. Where because bamboo grows like super fast, okay. So you know it takes a lot longer than a couple of days for you to die of dehydration or starvation. So they would tie you down and have a baby bamboo shoot underneath you. Oh my god! And with like a hole in a board that's connected to you, and that bamboo shoot would grow its way up through you. Oh my god, Hayden! Wow, yeah. Like those Japanese- over the course over the course of like a week. Those people in the Far East, they know they're tortured. <laughs> yeah. I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah. Wow. Doesn't that just make you sick to think about? Wow. I'm serious. It's ser- it's like a 12 inches a week or something like that is how fast bamboo can grow. It's it's very fast. Um, so can you, you imagine something like that? Uh, no, I don't want to. Just the pressure of it Horrifying. just finally breaking through your skin? Yeah. And then it's going to just slowly make its way through your lungs. I mean, I was watching a thing on uh, 
Drac like the real Dracula, like Vlad the Impaler. Okay. And you know, like they didn't actually like force people onto a pike. They would put it like, you know, in your groin, you know, they would set you up there on this pike and it would probably puncture you at that point. But they don't rip you deck down onto it. They tie ropes around your feet and put big heavy rocks on your feet and just the weight and they just leave you there. And it slowly just forces its way up into you until you die. Thank you for that. Isn't that just horrible? Horrible? It's horrible. That's how bad it is. (laughs) Hey, everyone. We're going to be right back. But in the meantime, hit us up on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TheBigRedVanPod or email us at TheBigRedVanPodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes Podcasts if you're a member of Team iPhone. We'll take them. Five-star reviews we read live on the air give you shout-outs. Thank you so much for listening. And back to the show. Everybody, have you heard? So SpaceX's uh, CEO, Elon Musk, frequent of the show. Absolute friend of the show. Yeah, revealed that uh, Yusaku Meuzawa a Japanese billionaire and founder of Zozotown, which is Japanese largest online clothing retailer. Um, he's going to be the first private customer to ride to the moon um, on the big Falcon rocket. He's going to be on the BFR. <laughs> okay. So I love that it's abbreviated BFR because I grew up in the age of first person shooter video games where it was always called the bit, the BFG like Doom, Mm -hmm. like the original first-person shooter from way back in the day. Like, the BFG stood for the big effing gun. Right. And when I see BFR, all I want to say is the big fucking rocket. Of course. Literally, it has to be done that way on purpose. Well, I think the first time I brought the BFR to the podcast, uh, that's what I said that that's what Elon Musk called it. Yeah. It's called the big Falcon rocket. But here at SpaceX, we call it the big rocket. But uh, Meazawa plans to fly on the trip as early as 2023, and he wants to take a bunch of artists with him. So that's what the interesting thing about this is, is he he reserved eight seats, um, and he wants to turn the entire ride in the... into an art project called uh and he's highlighting as hashtag dear moon and there's a website that goes right along with it and basically his plan is that he he wants to go to the moon and he wants to go to the moon with artists so he's artists as in like drawing artists all kinds of artists so he wants it to be like um directors and cinematographers and he you know oil painting and photographers and he wants Basically, he wants someone from every field of art to go with him. That is uh, ingenious. And there's a very specific reason why. These artists will be asked to create something after they return to Earth. And these masterpieces, quote-unquote, that they will inspire the dreamer within all of us. So basically, the whole point is that he wants these artists to go up there. All these, you know, he goes on to say, what if Picasso had got to go to the moon? What if Andy Warhol or Michael Jackson or John Lennon or Coco Chanel even as one of his favorite designers, you know, like what if they all got to go do something great like this to be inspired? You know, what sort of things would have come from that? Even these already great artists, like what else could they have produced? So what he's hoping, it's more of a like he wants to inspire the next generation of people. He's one of those kinds of billionaires, it seems like. I'm going to fund this crazy thing that's going to create a lot of stuff from it. 
that is going to inspire a whole generation of kids because that's like what the Apollo program was. Period. Inspire and, kids to think. Inspire, inspire kids mind. to get into technology and science and trying to, you know, advance us in things. Like those that's, are our favorite kinds of billionaires, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like even though the Apollo program was totally funded by the U.S. government, it's still. Its biggest key everlasting factor was a whole bunch of little things, yes, and microchips and stuff that's incredible. But the biggest impact is it took kids and it made them all go, whoa. That's awesome. Making a little kid go, whoa, to where they're going to grow up and say, I want to do that, is super impactful, regardless of all the other things. Sure. You know, that's where you make kids that are going to grow up and make Apple if you take a Coco Chanel up to space, she's not going to make space clothes. But what she's going to do is it's going to expand her mind as to, what, as to what is possible. Exactly. And to maybe her brain will start to think about different things that are possible in fashion. Same thing with a, taking a Michael Jackson up there. Michael Jackson might make a song about going to the moon, but what is it going to be that's going to inspire his mind to think about what is possible as opposed to actually the trip itself to the moon? I think it's ingenious for him to want to bring artists up there for that particular reason because artists what they all try to do whether they're a writer or they're a singer or whatever kind of art they are someone that draws what they like to do is get the wheels turning right and once the wheels get turning then then it's all exactly it's all in play take kanye west's ass to space what could it do to him <laughs> i i look at it as a um you know, all all billionaires get into some sort of philanthropy because it's almost like a requirement of billionaires. Is you gotta you gotta give back. You know, you're you've got billions. Okay, let's let's help somebody out. And I look at it as like he's his his contribution to the philanthropy thing is I want to do this mission that's going to inspire the next generation of scientists and and space explorers because they're not getting a good rap right now. You know, like they're kind of getting the shit into the stick. Uh, in the current age of things. Like, sure. Nobody cares about going to Mars and stuff like that anymore. Like, it's definitely low in the totem pole. As cool as it is on the grand scheme of things, nobody cares. Nobody's voting for a budget increase on NASA these days. But anyways, the Mr. Mayazawa, he actually is the one that's uh, funding almost the entire first mission um, in the sense that... Uh, um, Musk said it was going to be about $5 billion to fund this whole trip, and almost all of it was funded by this investor. Yeah. Which is insane. But think about the residuals, Hayden. Think about how coveted, first of all, those eight seats are going to be. Oh, yeah. Once he thinks about, or really gets out his message behind why he's... He is, in fact... Uh, saying that they are free seats. He just gets to pick who goes. And he will be tied contractually, I'm sure, to any projects that they create that are based off of this experience. Oh, that's probably a very good point. If they are taking a free trip to the moon from him, Mm -hmm. he's going to have his finger on everything they do from that point on. That's a... You know, I didn't think about that, but that's probably very exactly what's happening. He don't care how much it costs now because, I mean, think about what if these people create schools? What if they create something that's a lifetime or a generation worth of an impact? $5 billion will repay itself over the, the 30 years that these mm. – I mean, it, these eight seats sound like they're incredibly important seats to yeah. choose the right person for him to get the right return on his investment. For sure. I mean, who who do you think should go? If you, if it was people from the uh, music industry mm. or people from um, 
the directorial industry. Think about what kind of movie Quentin Tarantino could make if he had a trip to space. I don't know, man. I think it would be interesting to list off. I think it'd be cool if the listeners had a list. What eight people, what artists... Because yeah, he, he left it open. Who should go to space with this guy? Hashtag who would you send? Who would you send? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude. Um, quick uh, side of the nerdiness. Of course, SpaceX has still not launched any human bodies into space yet. You know, that was what their plan was with the Falcon Heavy. And then they've scratched that plan of using the Falcon Heavy of ha- handling people. Yeah, they're the, going to say we're going to go with the BFR. Yeah, the... Um, the crew dragon is what it's called, which is the space capsule that holds people that uh, they're currently working on right now. They're going to do an official test of it at the end of this year to see uh, to make sure everything looks good and ready to go and be safe for an actual human pilot to be in it. And then they're shooting for that deadline of 2023 of sending an actual group of people up to uh, the moon. And it's just going to be like a round trip. Just go up there, see it, and come back, right? It's not a landing mission. I don't believe it's a landing mission, no. Okay. It's a go orbit the moon, look at it for a few hours, and be like, ooh, ah, and see it all up close, and... Get your inspiration, and be weightless. back home. You know, be weightless, and all that fun stuff, and experience. I mean, it'd be a few days trip. Yeah. And then come home. Float around. Suck some soup out of the air. There's been uh, no public statement on the official training regiment and the physical requirements that will be of these artists. So, of course, uh, you're not going to be able to send Rick Ross. Um, If you're wanting to send him, you know, there's going to be some some exceptions. Did he ever get off that ventilator? I don't know, man. I haven't checked checked in on Rick Ross, but I hope he's okay. That was like six months ago. I know. I hope he got off. I know. I hope Rick Ross is okay. Everybody, have you heard? So we have talked about the legalization of sports gambling nationally here in America on our show recently, but we had the lines. Oh yeah, but we hadn't taken the time to get into any of the nitty gritty of it. And what you I mean, mean, like a bookie busting your shins, kind of. I mean, what I mean is like how wild west these types of industries become when they're first legalized, but hardly regulated. I mean, think about the marijuana industry out in Colorado when it first got legalized. Even now, how unregulated a lot of the aspects of it are. You and I, we kind of talked about how they recently banned products that were seemed like they were marketed towards kids. Yeah. Those types of things. Like, how many years did those go legal and un, unchecked and things yeah. like that? It's the same thing with this sports gambling. Oh, little Johnny got into the gummy bears again. Man, specifically, I'm talking about in gambling with sports, NFL injury reports and how they majorly affect betting lines in Las Vegas. So generally Vegas releases a spread for each game. Example being some, I would say saints plus six, right? Then that number will move slightly one way or the other through the week, depending on the action placed on either side. So large amounts of money going to a specific side all of a sudden is a giant red flag and something that causes Vegas to panic and it might mean there's something else they don't know. Recently, I went on a rant about... So they can move the line simply based on how much money is being put on either side? Absolutely. So there That is, sounds just like dirty. Well, it'll, how- op- it'll open at, say, plus six, like I said. And if a bunch of money comes so, in, so but on, if you had already placed your bet at plus six, you're already locked in at plus six, of course, right? Of okay, course. okay. But if they move it, whoever it at the moment you put your bet in is where is you're what at. you get it at. Okay, of course. That's that's more fair. 
of course, because because some people think if the line's going to move, then they'll wait to take it until it moves. Some people like the number when it's first out, and they'll take it when it's first out. So recently, I went on a rant about Aaron. If one of y'all says some silly ass name, this whole class is going to feel my wrath. Rogers and how he hurt his knee, and he came back that game like Superman, and he led his team to victory. Right? Yeah. You remember me going on about that? I'm sure wildly changing the emotions of the degenerates in Green Bay that bet this month's mortgage on the Packers to cover the spread that night. <laughs> but what about next week's game? So I mentioned how Rodgers is, I think I said, quote, as much of a percentage of any NFL team as anyone in the league, if not more. And his questionable status during the week leading up to any game, including last week or any game coming up the rest of the season, will definitely affect the betting lines in that game. So now I'll finally get to my point. How do you regulate insider trading information on things like someone's playing status or their injury? And the information that is spread about that, whether someone's available or whether they're not, because only the locker room knows. And Rodgers and the Packers kept very quiet during the week about his availability, and Vegas almost took the game off the board completely to bet on because of the crazy bets that were coming in on both sides. And also placed the ability to bet on whether he was going to even play at all. Like wow. you, you could bet money on Rodgers will not start or Rodgers will start. That's insane. I mean, but let's talk about that for a second. How much money someone from inside the locker room could make by quote-unquote selling injury that or lineup information, information to big-time shark bettors? You know, to be uh, totally regulatory brain on this... Maybe there is supposed to be a locker room auditor, like someone has to be present, like a neutral party has to be present. If someone is going to the locker room, there has to be an auditor there present that hears what the diagnosis is, and that has to be reported. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the only way you make it 100%. Well, they have an NFL policy that is based around injury reports. Right. You have to report on certain days. You have to report on Wednesday. You have to report on Friday. I think you have to report on Saturday. And then you have to report before the game on Sunday. But like you could two, still lie about an injury and not report it. Not in, up until game day. Right. On game day, you have to uh, designate whether they are out, questionable, or in. That's mm-hmm. really the only three designations that, that they have. But you could still be lying about stuff is my point. The Patriots have had Tom Brady on the injury report his entire career. It's just something that they do. You know, right. So you're right. They can lie, quote unquote, but what are we talking about when it comes to thousands upon millions of dollars? That's what and I'm saying. And people being able to that, sell it. That's the only way to totally correct that would be to have a neutral party auditor that gets paid good money to just stand around and make sure nobody's lying about stuff in the locker room. Like when you see that guy come in to get his leg wrapped in the medic person but how do you know hayden i mean how do you know other than the the head coach and the quarterback having a conversation between each other about whether or not i'm gonna play auditor i don't know how do they audit that conversation stand there and listen what if what if it's a text message (laughs) yeah that's true i mean i mean i'm just i'm trying to come up with the best solution here you know i'm just saying nfl can afford it so a live auditor that is is it the nfl's onus to pay for it though is it the nfl's job to pay for to regulate that because it i mean like i said it's in it's considered insider trading if you yeah. if you would be doing that i mean michael kendricks i don't know if you heard this story about this guy former linebacker for the seattle seahawks 
recently convicted and sentenced to like 20 plus years in prison for giving out information to people that directly influenced the price of company stocks. Like I said, a crime known as insider trading. He could have kept his ass out of jail if he just sold like true injury reports to people. But I think it'll be interesting to follow this and not only how companies like Buffalo Wild Wings open up sports books in their stores. You can buy, you know, 10 hot wings and you can bet on tonight's game, whether it's a soccer game or it's a football game. You're going to be able to bet on stuff at Buffalo Wild Wings Mm -hmm. sometime soon. And whether it's that or it's uh, this, you know, there's going to it's going to rise. There's going to be stories about sports betting and how unregulated it is. And I think it's I, I get pissed off at the NFL injury reports, man, because I do the fantasy football thing. So you want to know questionable. What does questionable truly mean? <laughs> you you feel you can get a feel for some people, but for others it's, you know, there used to be probable, questionable, doubtful, and out were the four. And they the NFL because of gambling had pressure to drop the other two. So now I wonder what kind of pressure from gambling they're going to have to yeah. change stuff about their injury report policy and what they have to report, what they don't have to report, when they have to maybe, report it. Maybe it's uh, that will be the interesting thing that you can track. Does the NFL change any rules to their injury report policy to help make gambling easier? I'm sure they will. Depends, or if the market goes that like if if gambling is demanding it, oh, gambling's demanding it. More money is gambled on football than any other sport. Of course, so I mean that's what I mean. Like if gambling is demanding it, and then gambling becomes legal, gambling is legal now in that sense, uh, according depending on what states, you know, deny it. But yeah, I think it's crazy, man, because I it. I have a little skin in the game, okay? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is my fantasy quarterback, all right? (laughs) And I want to know, I need to know before the Thursday night game, is Aaron Rodgers going to play on Sunday? Because what if I've got a backup that's a badass that plays Thursday that I could start instead? Mm. You know? And then i got to take a flyer on somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick who throws three picks. I'm going to stand by my live auditor. On the reason that's I say, not going to do it, that's just giving somebody money to stand in a locker room. Like that's not, not going I to just stop mean like uh, people. But that that yeah. lo- that auditor is not. It's not the conversations in the locker room. It's the conversation at dinner with a very wealthy businessman that wants to bet on tomorrow night's game and doesn't know whether Rogers is playing or not. And they, yeah, uh, they I guess I guess the it. ability to start or not is still just up to the coach that's a decision and what if the center the guy that snaps rogers the ball knows whether rogers is playing or not and he goes out to dinner with this guy and is like i guess my point is like i'll tell you for fifty thousand dollars those types of questions are still just between private conversations i'm talking about in like true injuries like so if you are on the field and you observe they already have someone for that i know but and then they go to the locker room and as the medic is telling them what's happening they are there to report on that well they have someone for that of course i'm talking about someone that can um take the information can stop them from taking the information and spreading the information and they can't right now there's no rules that stop it well i what i'm saying is that should be public information period like the second that that auditor says your calf or you've got a 
torn whatever, like that is now official public information. And it usually at the is. Moment. It usually is. And that 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 stuff doesn't usually get hidden. It's the it's, it's the questionable ones. Well, it's that, the but ones that saying, affect like, betting. Deciding lines. on whether you're going to start this person or not is different from saying they're not going to be able to play or not. You know, and or depending on when you place your bet and how you place your bet. Right. You know, like uh, there's a certain line of you're going to have to just like rely on well, the coach is deciding to play this person. Well, or it not. also goes deeper than that, Hayden. It's not just playing somebody. It is what's the game plan this week? What right. if what if one or two players are heavily featured in this week's game plan, and you know that this or that about them and that information you get from someone on the inside. So I don't think that that's a crime right now. I I think that if you know, like if me or you had an uncle that was a coach for an NFL team and he told us stuff about like what their game plan was to go against whoever the Steelers. And and you know that their, their rushing game is going to be good. So you put a lot of money down on their, their, uh, on how many rushing yards they're going to have or something like that. That type of thing I don't think is regulated right now. And I don't know I don't know if that's considered inside insider trading because of the recency of the passing of that law. Mm. So it was the same thing, like I said, that's why I equated it to it the has Wild to West. Be. There's gonna be some lawsuits before we know it. Who knows? But um I'm playing the lines, you know. We're <laughs> we're, so... we're uh putting we're, that money out we're there. We're trying to, you know, float a little <laughs> out there. But uh anyway, this was a good episode, man. I feel like uh we taught somebody something. Oh yeah, we shocked him with the dude shitting himself, and uh, it actually never said whether or not he officially shit he himself. He had thirty changed diapers. He oh, shit himself. No, see, I think it was also part of the instructions that he had to have his diaper changed regardless. He just got punished if he had soiled it. You don't think that oh, he took gr- advantage dude, of dude, that? Okay, this dude was in charge of the directions. There was no mother him saying that they need to change his diaper i'm gonna go ahead and assume we're just so that they could he could have his dick out in front of him yeah i know what you're asking yourself and the answer is yes i have a nickname for my penis like i need help changing it just because you're supposed to change a diaper regardless you know if it's been used or not after so much time right isn't that like a thing yeah, that's usually how most diapers work. You know, like, if your infants had that diaper on for more than 12 hours, even, which, if they haven't peed in 12 hours, that's bad, so this makes me sound terrible. Either way, but, they should go to the doctor. But the point is, you don't leave the same diaper on somebody all day. No. Right? No. So, that's I think, was the point, was like, I need help changing my diaper, and he would have them do that for him, while he says it's, you need to scrub it more. <laughs> I guarantee he shit himself once. He had to. Timeout. He had to, yeah, put me in timeout. Anyway, uh, thank you everybody for listening to 57. Have you heard? That's Hayden. That's Wade. And this has been a whole lot of fun. We appreciate you joining us. And we will 100% catch you on the next one. <laughs>